everyone. Welcome to Sonographers in the Cities. I'm Lynn. And I'm Giselle. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening or watching. For our podcast, we have reached over 8,500 downloads. So we want to thank you so much for just joining us on this journey. Yes, thank you guys so much. I can't believe it. It's so exciting to know that we're growing and I appreciate every single one of you guys that listen. Uh, Still keep on sending us your messages and show us like what it is that you guys like about our podcast. And we definitely can, we want to improve for you guys. So uh, thank you guys for listening. And I just, I can't believe it's, I can't believe it's already the end of June, honestly. (laughs) Yes. This is the last episode of June. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so today, you know, last episode of the month, we're going to do Q&A, and Lynn has a bunch of questions that you guys had sent in for us to answer, and they're pretty good questions. What do you think? They are, (laughs) like always. Yeah, so definitely, you guys, uh, keep on having the questions come to us, because we're going to do this once a month. And we did have an Instagram live. I don't know if any of you guys saw it, but if you didn't, it's over on my page. And we also answered your guys' questions live too. So if you guys like that as well, we can keep doing stuff like that. Because we were actually surprised at how many people came to that too. Yeah, they came and asked a lot of questions that was answered by our episodes. Mm -hmm. So it's really fascinating to see how your questions are um, aligned with what we're bringing for you. So it's good to see that. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny because we were like, Oh, that we just talked about that or that's on our episode. So I hope you guys spread the the news about our podcast and how it's super helpful and keep posting about it and sharing the podcast with everyone. And yeah, we're here for you guys and hope you guys enjoy all the content. Yes. Um, so let's get started on our Q&A. Yay. Our first question is, uh, how is LGTBQ in the Sono community? You know, it's June. Pride Month. Yay. So happy Pride Month, everybody. (laughs) I don't know if you guys saw, but um, I went to a Jonas Brothers concert recently. You guys probably saw. Um, But Joe, somebody in the audience threw up a rainbow flag and Joe grabbed it and he was waving it and it was so cute and he put it on their piano and it was just so cute. And then um, after their concerts were over, DNCE, they went and flew to, I believe it was DC, and they performed at the Pride Festival. So that's really cool. Um, But Lynn and I were talking about this question, and, you know, it's a very, um, I feel like not that many people talk about that in our ultrasound community. So it's a good question to ask and for us to talk about. Since I've been in the you know, ultrasound world a little bit longer than a lot of you guys. I do work with actually a lot of LGBTQ plus people and nothing is different. I feel like it's, it's the same exact road that they go on. Um, and I feel like they're welcome with open arms, especially in the healthcare field, because we don't, we really don't discriminate in, in general, like 
you as a healthcare worker are helping patients, no matter what race, gender, no matter what um, ethnicity or political views somebody has, right? And I feel like in the healthcare community, it's the same as well. Um, my coworker, whom I worked with for a long time, and he's been a sonographer for a very, very long time, you know, he'll tell you too, um, you know, that he he enjoys his job and he's been in this career for a very long time. And he's over there in the ER and he's like scanning vaginal exams all day. And, you know, there's no problem. He enjoys doing what he does. And, you know, for, for what I've seen, it's been really good. What about you? I thought it's good too. Um, my classmate is part of the LGBTQ plus community, as well as my mentor, who is my favorite. She, you know, I love her. She loves her job. She loves um, the uh, department that she works in. So I, from my perspective, I don't see there's any problem at all. Yeah. If anything, it just makes it better. Mm-hmm. Very diverse. I think in ultrasound, there's a wide variety of people from all walks of life, um, all different races, genders. And yeah, definitely, you know, we obviously can't speak upon that community in our sonography community. But, you know, if you can find people who are part of it. And I'm sure we could probably find people who are part of it who want to talk and share about it because like I said, we can't speak upon it. Um, definitely let us know and we can have you on the podcast too and talk about it. Cause that's really a, a good conversation. And I think we don't want to leave out anybody, you know, but just remember that the possibilities are endless. And if you want to do this, no matter what you should do it just because you have a passion of helping people and you want to do this career. So yeah. If you have any questions, let us know. And we'll, we'll yes, answer definitely. Next question. How long did it take you to be comfortable enough to do a full protocol? Hmm. So I'm guessing this is uh, clinical experience. Just so how long did it take you? So, I mean, in lab, they, they taught us in lab, all the protocols mm-hmm. that we were going to learn in you know the hospitals around town so i mean i was able to do a full abdomen protocol in lab already like maybe after a few after a few weeks because what we what they did for us was they taught us a protocol let's say venus for example and then we would practice 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 and then you get tested on it so at that point like you basically can do the full protocol right Mm -hmm. so if you're talking about lab like you can do it. I could do it on a, on a normal person pretty quick and easy. Um, but that took maybe a few weeks. So, you know, some people it'll take longer, but it only took me a few weeks and some people can pick it up fast and some people take longer. So, you know, it doesn't really matter how fast somebody picks it up. It's just that you, you actually get it. Um, what about you? I, I guess I'm a fast learner. <laughs> you are. It sounds like you are. <laughs> And you're a visual learner too. Yeah. It seems like. like. mm -hmm. Cause like I couldn't, I'm not really good at like textbook stuff, but like when it came to learning the vascular protocol, like, I mean, I got that pretty quickly. And then like in order to pass our lab and graduate, we had to do a full protocol. Hmm. So I would say being comfortable in knowing a full protocol would be a few weeks. And we only did lab for one whole semester. So it took, you know, take what, what a whole semester, maybe three or four months. 
it still takes time, you know. What about you? What was your first protocol? Cardiac? For me, my first protocol, like in clinicals, because um, labs for me, unfortunately, it's not like what you have experienced. My lab was like, they taught me the basics of the basics. So just, you know, um, anatomy and then, so say like carotid. Mm-hmm. Um, was it in clinicals? It would be proximate distal. In my lab, it would just be anywhere on the carotid. Oh, okay. So it was very, very basic. And when I went to clinicals and I had to learn all the details, it took me, I would say, I... I'm not counting a uh, segmental pressure. No, just do <laughs> protocol. <laughs> That's good. Um, but I think it would take me about two months mm-hmm. because I think the um, the frequency of how many days you're there yeah. per week matters. Because mm-hmm. I was there my first quarter two days a week. Okay. And then, um, that's, so two months of two days a week, Yeah, I was able to do my full carotid of 56 images. Wow. Um, but you know, it's also dependent on, uh, your preceptor too. Like I had Mm -hmm. very good preceptors who was just, you know, helping me through when I get stuck at the distal ICA. It was like, I can't get this, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's. I think it's a combination of both yeah. to get you to do a full protocol. Right. Because, I mean, the question asks, too, like, how long did it take for you to be comfortable? Like, we could know mm-hmm. it, but, like, were we really comfortable? And, I mean, for you, like, you were doing clinicals, like you said, twice a week. I was doing clinicals five days a week, and I was doing eight to ten-hour shifts. So I was scanning and when they put me on carotids, like the first thing I learned was carotids in the clinical, when they put me on that, I was doing all the carotids every day. That's all I was doing. So I basically was able to do a That's full amazing. carotid. Yeah. After like a month, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool how they did it. Cause they were like, okay, you, you do carotids and then that's it. You do all the carotids, you learn as much carotids, you get all the crazy torturous high stenosis, plaque carotids and then then you move on to um, venus and then you do venus for a few weeks and then you do venus plus carotids you know and then you go up to renals and abdomen so you know it definitely depends on how long you're scanning but really the comfortable part of it is once you are able to do it without any help and you understand it you know i think two months is pretty good Especially if you're scanning over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, like I and said. It's like for my my site too, or my program, it's not structured like yours. Mm-hmm. You know, I structured it for myself because mm-hmm. there was no structure, you know, yeah. like whatever studies come, I watch or I scan. Yeah. And so when I first started, I started with segmental pressure and then carotids and then slowly lower extremities and then upper extremities. So I did that for myself. So I just That's like good. specifically focus on that. And yeah. I got comfortable. I remember it was after my first time doing a full protocol with my preceptor sitting on the side and she was, you know, doing her own thing. And I was like, can I move on to the left side? 
<laughs> and then she's like, yes. And then I finished. And then that after that moment, I was like, okay, I can do a full protocol. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, see how it's cool. How it like, just clicks. I remember those days too, where I'm like, wow, I did that. And I mean, it's also kind of interesting too, because like you said, um, what I wanted to talk about was that yours was all different. And like, you don't know when something's coming, you don't know if a carotid's next, a, a venous and an arterial or for me, like, oh, an abdomen or a pelvic, like, but in my hospital that I was at, there were so many exams that I was able to bunch up like five, six carotids, five, six venuses, five, six abdomens in a day. And, you know, as a student, you're taking a much longer time than a regular sonographer. Mm -hmm. As a student, you're maybe taking almost an hour with each exam. So it's, it's all up to you. Just make sure you're practicing a lot. And if you need help with your protocols, ask questions. Don't be afraid. Yes, definitely. <laughs> what was your hardest class in the DMS program? Mm. Do you remember your hardest class? I mean, <laughs> I mean, for me personally, hardest class is always physics. Uh. Yeah. Everything else was like, okay. But like physics was always the hardest for me to understand. And I think that'll probably be a very common answer for a lot of people, unless you really understood physics. But I think you really understood physics. <laughs> I don't remember it anymore. anymore. <laughs> but like you were doing fine in it, weren't you? I was, I yeah. was. Um, my hardest class, it, w it was in physics. Yeah, what was it? It was uh, vascular one. Mm. O only because of how the curriculum of our program is mm -hmm. so that quarter we had echo one physics one and vascular one yeah. and i felt like with the vascular you have to know physics before you do vascular and mm -hmm. they just jumbled you know the first everything. course of everything together so wow. vascular i felt like i was learning backwards mm -hmm. like my first class was hemodynamics and for physics we didn't learn hemodynamics until later class two mm -hmm. so, yeah, um, so it's hard. that was really hard and we did virtual learning so oh, don't help at that. all <laughs> <laughs> so that yeah. was like that, that was my biggest um struggle and if you look at it too i mean vascular is a lot of physics so then mm -hmm. you know physics and vascular those are probably two of the top hardest i think classes i would probably bet because and when also you, the um, registries. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. They do say physics and vascular or something. I mean, some people say physics is easy, but I'm like, dang. You, I mean, you, you've got to understand it that well to be able to say it's easy, right? Mm -hmm. So that means good job because you're studying well and understanding it. But like for me, it was super hard. <laughs> but it's okay. I'm sure you'll pass all your tests soon <laughs> i have a couple months left Yay. i'm so excited i just want to take it already i know almost there how friendly is the healthcare field to minorities you have some hard questions yes and <laughs> like people who are working like like how is how are we interpreting this question like yeah, the healthcare i, I think like, so just like how like how like with minorities in as healthcare workers as healthcare workers oh okay right. I'm, I'm interpreting I mean, this yeah yeah i mean it's very friendly because yeah. it's a very diverse 
I mean, demographics of healthcare right. workers out there. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering too if it depends on where you live or where you. Yes. But I don't know because I live in such a diverse community. Like Las Vegas, I can only speak upon here and where I what I've seen, and there's just it's just so diverse. Like in general, and even if you look on like Facebook groups, like Sonographers Do in the Dark and Just Sonography, and and my Facebook group, like everyone is from all different walks of life, which is we're all trying to live life and do our job and take care of people. <laughs> I, I think that I feel like everyone's been friendly, you know, there are probably those few people like on Facebook who are like really mean, you know, but <laughs> the troubles. Yeah. I don't know. You just let them do whatever they do. And, but I've never, I don't know. I've never really seen issues. If anybody has, you know, something that they want to share or like, you know, let us know, let us know, you know, in the DMs and we'll talk about it. I think it really depends on the demographics, like the location, uh, where they are with like, uh, the population of people who live there and how it has been. Cause Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, like I can't. I don't know about small towns. Like I don't know. Like rural like. towns in Midwest, I definitely can't speak for that. So yeah. I don't know. So we got to find some people <laughs> from those <laughs> towns. If y'all are in towns where people aren't friendly, I don't know. Please let us know. <laughs> yeah, let us know. I mean, this is Sonarkers in the cities, so we'd love to have you on. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, in my experience everyone's pretty friendly so i haven't really had issues with that i mean you're friendly yourself so it's hard to be not friendly to you (laughs) oh no oh my goodness yeah yeah i mean but also seeing from the outside perspective yeah i mean i think the only issues i think issues stem from other things that has nothing to do with people being a minority group or something like that you know i don't know i agree (laughs) If you want, if you have like any more specific question, whoever asked that, like, let us know. Because, I mean, I guess that could be interpreted in another way. All right. What should you do if your patient is someone who's abused you in the past? These are tough questions. I know. Like, what's going on, everybody? Um, what should you do if your patient is someone who's abused you in the past? That's kind of scary. If that's your patient, shouldn't I mean, if patients are like that shouldn't you report them and there should be like a a list of like just like a no-fly list but like a a list yeah i'm assuming does does your hospital i mean that procedure in place i i mean i don't know i haven't really experienced i mean i haven't experienced that i'm not too sure like you know like for example if it's somebody you know right i've never had to scan somebody i've known you know so I feel like wait, I just they don't abused you as yours as their sonographer, or they abused you in your life. Right. See, that's why. I'm like, <laughs> hmm. Maybe you should Cause, ask cause, them because I'm thinking that patients who have abused you in their previous appointments or something oh. as as you you're as their sonographer. Okay. Not like uh, someone you know. I'm interpreting this. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I don't I know. Mean, say, uh, it could be, I could be wrong too. So then, 
a patient who you scanned before who abused you as the tech, as you know what I'm saying? Yes. Okay. Not someone that, you that, know, like that outside is, of That work. is how I'm interpreting. Okay. Okay. Because I feel like you can't scan someone you know, can you? Or like I your mean, relatives? I'm sure it's happened before in small towns. I've never had to scan my family member. <laughs> That's true. But, or someone I've known in that case. Okay. But also, I work with yeah, multiple people. I, so if somebody was to come in, I'd be like, hey, can you scan them? Because I don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, you could do that. Um, but if if you're the only one there, I could see why that's a problem. Like if you're the only sonographer yeah. that can scan this person. And it's like, what should you do? So I think if anything, this question can be interpreted in many ways. Yeah, I think it's an ethics problem, right? An ethical issue. So Mm -hmm. if if that's the case, and you know before that, like beforehand that that person's coming in, like let's say they're on an outpatient list, and you know this person abused you in the past, like can't you report that in advance? You know, or you can just tell your supervisor or whoever is like. You're not right. comfortable scanning them, so you can have yeah. someone else scan. Mm-hmm. But then, what if you're the only one, like you said? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it should be brought up first and foremost to the supervisor mm-hmm. and the ethics and compliance officer, or something like that. Usually, hospitals and places have that. Now, if you're like at a doctor's office, I really don't know what you would do in that situation, honestly, because you're the only one, and that's tough. You just have to remember you're doing your job, you know, at the end of the day and you, you need to, you know, your safety, your safety is a priority too, just as much as it's the safety of the patient as well. I don't know. I feel like that's more of a like specific question that somebody mm-hmm. should have more details too. So if we you need ask more that context. Question, if you ask that question, <laughs> please let us know because we want to help you and we want to give you the right answers. So it's kind of hard when we have like no backstory, you know? We need context. Yeah. That one, please let us know. Hopefully you're listening. <laughs> Hardest part about reading a sonogram. Gas. Just kidding. I don't know. I agree. Hardest part <laughs> when there's gas in there. I agree. Oh, That's what part? I'm struggling with with uh, right now yeah i mean i guess like because like what's the hardest part about it i mean you you learn normal Mm -hmm. so then when you see abnormal you know what it is yes so the hardest part of reading it is kind of like getting around so the hardest part of it is when you can't see yeah because usually you can see but like when Mm -hmm. you can't then you're like ah (laughs) like you're like i can't see it you know that's the hardest part I agree. Yeah. Or like you, when you try to man- maneuver and to get different windows, different mm-hmm. views. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Because like when it's saying reading a sonogram, like I'm wondering if it's like, you know, we we interpret our images, but like the radiologists are the ones that are reading it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, hardest part about reading versus like doing the ultrasound. See how these questions are so yes. funny. <laughs> so if we're reading about it, I would yeah. say, I don't know, because like you learn so much in class and in your program that you learn all the possibilities of pathologies. Right. Because I feel like it's a 
Hmm. You know what the hardest part would be? I'd say. What? Well, I mean, for me, <laughs> it's like <laughs> describing stuff because you have to describe what you see. I don't think you do that in cardiac. No. Yeah. So in general, like if you see the liver and the kidneys and the gallbladder and the spleen, and there's like something going on, like you have to read it and understand like, okay, is the aquatecture heterogeneous? Is it isotonic? I learned that this week. (laughs) I learned about, I don't know if you know the abbreviation, but salt. No. So it's like size, shape. Uh, S acoustic A. characteristic uh-huh. location uh-huh. and transonicity. Translucency? Just kidding. I don't Transonicity. know. Transonicity. Transonicity? Yes. Physics. Um hypoeco- <laughs> I, hypo- <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> it's so it's but, an acronym to help you. Yes, to do it's to describe to describe every mm. organ that you see in the abdomen. Right. So it's very different from vascular and echo. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I mean, because cardiac, you just do like numbers, right? And you're like mm-hmm. checking to see the regurgitation. You in the machine, you measure things. Yes. But for 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 general, and let's say OBGYN that you are learning now, mm-hmm. you have to describe everything. Is it heterogeneous? Yes. Is it isochoic to the liver? Is it mm-hmm. Um, is it edematous? Is it enlarged? It's hard sometimes when you don't know how to describe things. You're like, how do I, how do I say this? Me and my coworkers all the time, we're like, how would you say this? Or like, what would you say about this? So that's, that's the, that's the perks of working with others. <laughs> what about brains is better than one? Yeah. Anyway, next question. <laughs> it's been a long time since I last studied A&P at uni. So anatomy and physiology, any tips on what to review before I start a program? I feel like this can totally relate to our two episodes before of what to do before you start a program. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So listen, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, go ahead and listen to that. So any tips on what to review before you start a program? We did talk about it. We're telling you, you know, you don't really need to honestly, but if you want to, obviously location, 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 watch some videos, review some physics. I mean, you probably haven't done physics yet because you're still going into your program, but um, listen to that episode. We give a lot of advice. I mean, we didn't do, I didn't do anything before I started my program. I enjoyed my time off. Yeah. So Enjoy your time off. Yeah. <laughs> but if you really want to study, just know that anatomy, ultrasound anatomy is different mm-hmm. than regular anatomy. Yes. So A and P teaches you like functions mm-hmm. and everything all the way up to cells and molecules. Whereas ultrasound anatomy teaches you, okay, where is it at? What does it look like? How is it going to look if something happens to it? And, you know, what processes are happening if something abnormal is happening? So, like, if the gallbladder has gallstones in it, what's happening? What's the potential of happening? Oh, your CBD is going to dilate. Oh, you might have um, pain in the right upper quadrant area. Sharp stabbing pain radiates to the back. Like, it's a little bit different. You don't really learn that in AMP. <laughs> No, definitely not. Yeah, lots of lots of other things you're gonna learn. So, but listen to that episode; it's a good one. 
Yeah. And last question. Last question. How do you handle when the radiologist or doctor doesn't agree with your findings? That's a good one. That's actually a very good question. These are all good questions. How do you yeah. handle that? Or has that happened to you before? Oh, yeah. Lots of times. Well, we, we're always like, hey, we're the ones doing the exam. Like, we see it, you know, this is what we think it is. But at the end of the day, they're the doctor, they're the radiologist. It's their initials that are on the exam. It's their license that's on the line, not ours. So, you know, they kind of have to decide what they think it is. But generally, like if you if you see that they've made a mistake, sometimes it's a mistake. So you should talk to the radiologist. I've had many times where I've had to talk to the radiologist like, hey, um, this, this, this. And like you just have a conversation with them. So how do I handle it? I talk to them, you know, I explain to them what I saw or what's happening with the patient, you know, all the symptoms and how the patient's presenting, what their history is, if you're able to, and then talk to them. And they are the ones that have a multitude of knowledge too. Like we have a lot of knowledge, but also they do too. Right. And so if they don't agree with me, then that's them. Right. So, I mean, I did what I did as a sonographer. I took the images. I believe there was sludge in there, but they don't believe that. So, you know, at the end of the day, you did what you could, but it's there at the, they kind of have the last say, I feel like, even if you were, I mean, don't, don't argue with them, you know, like (laughs) just kind of talk to them professionally, ask for their advice and tell them what you found. But at the end of the day, they're the doctor. And that's what, that's what we always say. Like, we're not the doctors. You know, we could, we could completely miss something or we could be completely wrong too. You never know. It goes both ways. Like, cause it, I feel like if they are wrong too, like they, they're humble enough, some of them to be like, <laughs> Oh yeah, you know, you're right, Giselle. Like, I see what you're saying. Okay. And then they can make an addendum and they can change it, which um, we're very lucky in my hospital that we can talk to our radiologists at any time of the day and have the conversation with them and they'll give us feedback. And I don't know, what about your experience? Cause you mostly work with what cardiac doctors who, who read their cardiac. Um, yes. Yeah. It depends. Like, cause you know, my sites are different and I haven't had this experience yet. Yet, <laughs> but I was just thinking, how can I, you know, uh, not prevent this from happening, but kind of like have a backup just mm-hmm. in case it happens. Like for me, what I would do is obviously if I don't know or or if I'm unsure of anything, I would definitely get someone to have a second eye, you know. Mm-hmm. And then just like how you previously said, just like, uh, what did you? Uh, hold on like what did you said when you're like with your coworkers? I was like I don't know I'm looking can you oh yeah like can you can you look at it or can you yeah so it's like you you ask them for help you know yeah so it's like so like it's not just you but you also have your coworkers' opinions and judgment too and you came Mm -hmm. to that conclusion so there's two of you to back up what you found yeah I mean we do it all the time we're like hey yeah you think this is real? Hey, 
what, what is this? Like, you know, but we are lucky to do that because, you know, we don't work by ourselves and there's some people mm-hmm. who work by themselves who can't do that. So like, if you can't do that with somebody else, you have to have a relationship with your radiologist or doctor and be able to communicate with them. Cause at the end of the day, you're doing this for them. And they're going to have to go back to you and ask you, you're remember you're their eyes and you're there. Um, you're basically helping them figure out what's going on. So if they don't agree with you at the end of the day, just take it as it is. And you know, mm-hmm. it, you can get frustrated all you want, but it doesn't change the fact that they don't agree with you. You know, you yeah. just, and to, it's you what on. you saw. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's okay. I've I've actually had lots of patients that fly into our hospital because another place said they had gallstones and then like I don't see any gallstones. So and that doctor believed that sonographer who saw gallstones, right? Because the sonographer saw gallstones, then the doctor agreed with that person. I don't know if what happened, but they came to me and I didn't see any gallstones, you know. So it just it just happens, you know. And you kind of have to just go through it one scan at a time. People are going to disagree with you, though. I'll tell you that. There's going to be times a cardiologist is going to be like, no, I don't agree with that. Or they'll they'll say something completely different on their paperwork. It happens every day. Like we mention stuff and they don't mention things. And it happens all the time. So I just remembered because in my last site um, for Echo, I did measurements and some of my measurements later when I write reports, um, I noticed that the doctor kind of like adjusts the measurements a little. Yeah. To see like over. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. we'll measure masses and then they will like remeasure the mass. And yeah, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, they're the doctor. Mm-hmm. and they get to ultimately decide now if you really think like they really made a mistake or if you really really think that you are right in whatever you found or whatever you did yeah definitely fight for that patient you know maybe they forgot maybe they missed it who knows but always always figure it out you know do your best as long as you're taking the images that they need you did your job don't make it any harder on yourself <laughs> Hopefully that that answers that question. Um, It it happens all the time in general sonography, you know. Half the time we say something they don't say. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) that's fine. You're the doctor. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. There are so many questions and we really wanted to get through all of them. So thank you guys. Thank you for tuning. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Um, thank you for those of you who wrote us five stars review. If you haven't and would like to, please uh, give us five star reviews on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. And please keep sending us your messages when you're tuning into our podcast because it's uh, it's coming more now. I'm getting more uh, messages. I can't speak for Giselle but I'm getting more messages that saying that you guys love the podcast so thank yeah. you so much thank you guys just let us know if we need, can do anything for you or if there's a specific topic you want to talk about and we can do that we we do have so many um 
we have so many ideas and just a little time because, you know, we, we want to talk and keep it to 30 minutes, um, but we can talk a lot and we just want to make sure your guys' questions are getting answered. But yeah, thank you guys so much and we'll see you guys and talk to you guys in the next one. Yes, thank you. See you okay. in July. <laughs> see you later. Bye. Bye.